We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macker, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. With a smile on my face. Oh, boy. When's the last time I've been able to say that unequivocally for one of these shows? I, I'm going to ask my co-host, who's much my better half, the smarter version of me in every way. Um, not as handsome, though. But listen, what, what would you prefer, Andrew? Or uh, Andrew, Jeremy? Because <laughs> we were just talking about Andrew. Who's I'd not prefer here, if you knew who I was. That would yeah. be the first step. Um, that's a good The hair question. color is a little bit different. That's true. Yeah. You know, at first, it was like, you know. You were saying smart every way. And I'm just thinking like, come on, give yourself some credit. And then you say you're much more handsome. Like, all right, you know what? I'll just take this, the brains part of it. I'll take the brains. You can take the brawn. That's fine. What about brawn? All right. Well, I, can, I have not gotten to the gym nearly as much as I should have. You can take the rugged good looks. That's fine. The rugged. I'll take that. I like yeah. rugged good looks. Sure. Um, hopefully my wife does as well. Um, do you think I have rugged good looks? Nice compliment. I just love how I faintly heard a what? <laughs> <laughs> and we're off. Okay. Um, what a way to start. Um, I mean, we. I feel like this is like the running theme of the show this year, right? Checking in on like how we feel during these episodes. How down are we in comparison to other weeks when we're also down and trying to think of weeks when we weren't down and we're like, oh, wait, we can't because every fucking week there's something to bitch and moan and complain about. And now here we are, uh, three in a week. Nice trade, which we did a uh, whole live stream on. So we're not going to talk about it that much, but you know, we'll touch on it. But I think it's a trade that love Cam Reddish, hate Cam Reddish, anywhere in between. Everyone can agree that it's like, okay, this is a trade worth making. Um, I think this is the best we felt about this team all year. Am I, am I right? 100%. I mean, eight and three in their last 11, above 500. Uh, you still have a surplus of draft picks. You have more young talent. I mean, that it's the kind of thing where we as fans, you know, one moment's great, the next moment we're in hell. And so yeah. I just want everyone to just look at this one moment because moments are fleeting. Anything could change. You could listen to this tomorrow and then the Hornets could whoop the Knicks. And then it feels like, well, all that it's in the past. But right this moment, before any other games has happened or have happened, 
just consider the fact that things are going really well. This is a great moment to consider. And the fact that I guess in the NBA, you can sell two things, right? You can sell hope. You can sell wins. Right now, this week, the Knicks sold both. And I'm, I'm eating it all up. I'll take whatever they can give me here. And that's beautiful. I think it's just so nice. Even if you are not a big Cam Reddish fan, the ability to say, all right, well, we're still going to try to make it so that this player who can contribute um, now, sure, it might cause other things down the line, but we're going to invest in this team now. But it's, it's not a win now move. It's a win later move as well. And it might be a win now move. We, it could be. We have no idea. Sure. But even still, it's just like, this is one of those moments where I think we should just hang on to it, appreciate it, know that rougher seas are ahead, but also maybe there's more sunshine. But as of right now, very happy. It's funny because you, so we should say uh, for, for anybody who's been on vacation or not been paying attention for the last week, I mean, there was football going on and is there anything else going on? I guess, yeah, there's just football going on. Um, uh, the Knicks had a three and a week. And uh, after starting the week, beating uh, the Spurs by 15 points in a game that felt good, but like, you know, you, you have your, you have your, your hazards up if you're a Knicks fan because you've been here and done this before. They followed that win up with their best two wins of the season, I would say. Um, and maybe we could have some discussion about if there's any other real contenders for that award. It's without question their best back-to-back uh, performance of the season. That, that There's no dispute about that. And beating the Mavericks um, at home and then beating um, ostensibly a desperate Hawks team on the road, although I, I don't know how desperate they really played. Um, and so you you just said the notion of selling wins and selling hope and you referenced Cam Reddish and yet I I don't know that there's there's any better uh personification of selling wins and selling hope than RJ Barrett who um you know Andrew always makes the rundowns and top of the rundown before anything else he has RJ Barrett and his question that he has written down which I will written, read verbatim did we just witness the official quote leap end quote of RJ Barrett. And to me, that has been, he has been like, look, the last, however, I mean, you could argue that since Durant said, no, the leading story of this team has been Julius Randle. And in some ways he's still the leading story of this team. And the the dichotomy of the Randle RJ thing has been, has just has been really interesting, and I don't. It's yeah. I don't know that I would have any other word to describe it other than interesting. Um, but when you think about the ceiling of the team long term, and it makes sense because why? Like so many people are so invested in RJ's success, and why is that? Because he represents to a lot of people the best hope for hope for legitimate hope, um, and now he is helping them win games. And he is showing a ceiling that uh, he has shown before, but not as consistently and maybe not as comfortably um, as he's been showing it. And I don't know, you know, I I don't know that it changes my opinion on the ceiling of the team, but it certainly changes my opinion about how this season um, can go from here, I guess is the best way that I would put it. You know, I mean, in terms of ceiling, to me, it's, that's another story. We can cross that bridge later. For yeah, we don't need to, right? Right, right. No, we, I, I, I don't think that the play and whatnot has to dictate necessarily the contractual situation where the team goes from here. It's the sort of thing where we just take it 
week by week and then assess and we can look at the months and all these things. And like, for example, RJ Barrett, he's not going to win the Easter conference player of the week, this upcoming week. It's going to go to Joel and B. I was about to say, it's probably going to go to the big guy <laughs> because that's fair. Uh, yeah. He's been phenomenal MVP caliber. And when RJ puts up numbers like these, sure. I mean, he looks like an all-star. Is he an all-star this season? No, of course no. not. But it's a glimpse into at the age of 21 years old, what can still happen? Um, and I think that's that's all it really needs to be. The Knicks are winning right now. They're winning behind a young player. We can just kind of hone in on, on the present as the Knicks thrive. And that works for me. That's all that needs to really be done. And I think that the fact that RJ is able to do that, it's a testament to the hard work, maybe how hobbled he was from the illness that he had, the fact that he dealt with COVID, all these players and figuring out how everyone fits into a system that just was not working. They're all kind of humming along better. And Arj is the one leading it. And, you know, when you don't have a, a natural point guard to do it, and you have RJ Barrett who can just continuously drive and assert himself and shoot the lights out and look mm -hmm. to facilitate and push all of the thing, all of those things. That's that is so vital. Because again, even if you are not a fan, not not so much you, but in general. If yeah. you are not a huge fan of RJ Barrett, that's fine. But the fact that he keeps playing up to this level, at worst, it feels like if he maintains or comes close to this on average, then you're looking at, okay, well, we're not really too far away from using him to get something down the line that can actually be more beneficial. And if you are a huge fan of RJ Barrett, this is exactly yeah. what you want to see. The maddening inconsistency that did not exist, it's becoming apparent. And I'm hopeful, obviously, that it does not disappear. But you'd like to think that it's become more common than the year before, which is more common than the year before that. And then he pieces it together enough where what maybe feels like a stretch of 10 games and then disappearing, maybe it's 15 games. And then it's just, maybe it's 20, maybe it's just, it keeps going. And then an off night looks like what could be a solid night right now. And I think that's all that needs to be projected for him. But the fact that he is able to step in, it, it reminds me a little bit of a star is born. In the sense of where you got Julius <laughs> Randle out there. He's all NBA caliber, baby. I was about to He's say, the most so, improved player. He's an all-star. Hold on. So Julius is, is Bradley Barrett. Cooper. Of course. And, yeah. and Lady. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And now, listen. All you want to hope for is that Julius Randle doesn't get up to the stage where he's standing up there on the podium, pissing himself. It's just, it's an ugly look. We don't want that. I think we no, just, we I think we passed that. that. I think that happened. Already. Well, but you know, his RJ star or his stock had to elevate enough where then, you know, it feels like Randall's dropping off. And then you have games like Randall and Atlanta where he's just dominating and the two are this great dynamic duo. And you're thinking, cool. If Randall can look like anything like this, if RJ can keep this up down the line, if you're able to cobble pieces together to add something to there, you've got something really good cooking. And, you know, hopefully it does not turn out not even that dark in terms of uh, <laughs> Star is Born. Um, but, it, but you know, at least where the, the two can play together, they could be here long term. They can form a winning duo and they can add to that and keep growing. Yeah. I, and um, yeah, that's something I've, I've, I'm thinking about more and more because like you said, a winning duo. Right. And I think when we think about winning duos in the NBA, um, well, a lot of different images come to mind, but there is some notion that those the two players that you're talking about can elevate one another. And it's strange because like, I don't feel like we get necessarily a lot of that with these two players. I, I think Randall helps elevate RJ strictly from a, a spot up 
sense. Like he'll find him for a lot of shots on the arc, which is like one component of RJ's game. And I think it's an important component. I'm not sure if we've seen any ways there that RJ elevates Randall's game. Um, but then again, he's, he's 21 years old. Um, but for as much as there may still be a lot more meat on the bone for how those two guys can create real basketball synergy, you know, in the, you know, I'm not comparing them to these two players, but like in the, in the Steph Draymond sense, which is probably the golden, the gold standard right now in the league. Um, I think the most important thing or the first step towards that is them figuring out what their roles are. And that's what I feel like we've really, you know, nailed in, in recent weeks. And it, you know, the stats been going around uh, on Twitter today, RJ's led them in scoring six of the last eight games, four in a row. Um, and I actually went even a step further and look back. So his rookie year, he led them in scoring six times um, in 50, six games, I think that he played uh, last year, led them in scoring 12 times in 72 games. So he doubled that number and the uh, Atlanta game was his 12th time leading them in scoring this year. And we still have almost half the season to go. And he did that despite the fact that over there was a, I just went and looked at it. There was a 27 game stretch in the middle of the season where he only led them in scoring three times in that 27 game stretch. So even with a period of time where he was really struggling quite a bit. Um, he's a, and, and by the way, he's led them in scoring more times than anybody else this year because Randall's at 11 and Oh, by the way, Julius hasn't led them in scoring in 11 games. Uh, are we making too much of something that is coincidence? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I, I, I know it, it feels like this is where this team, this, this team, but this roster, their best chance for success is with this as kind of the, the way this order, this pairing should go, right? It is. I guess what I was going more in the sense of it, not so much playing off one another, because you're right, it's, it hasn't translated fully. It's more, well, okay, if you don't see Julius Randle as, another, as a number one option, that's fine. Guess who's stepping in and being the number one option? Yeah. And, and Julius can then kind of fade away back into the role that he's more destined to play in. And that works out perfectly. But if you don't have RJ taking over at 21 years old, Julius probably looks around and is like, well, who's it really going to be? It's, is it going to be Alec Burks, who's a good player? But, and we've seen him take over games, but maybe not so much on a consistent level. Derek Rose is hurt. Kemble Walker you know, can't stay healthy or, or be in the lineup consistently. Evan Fournier, who has really come a long ways away, or just done very well uh, in the last month or so, maybe even month and a half, he can be good for stretches. You can have those Boston Celtics games, or you can have the game before that where he scores zero points. So, you know, it's not like you have to have a reliable player every single night for Julius to thrive, but it's nice to know, okay, cool. If it's going to be the number three overall pick, who's 21, as I've said far too many times, probably, but no, but it's regardless, like it just goes to show that he is, he's coming of age. He's able to start to take hold of what he needs to do in order to show. Yeah. I was a top prospect for a reason. This is why this is a glimpse into what I can do. And for Julius, it's really important because it's like, great. There's not as much pressure on me to be the guy. We can be the guys together. We can have nights where I'm doing my thing. You're doing your thing based on, you know, what they were destined to accomplish from the beginning of the season when we were hoping that they could switch off and one guy gets hot. Okay. That's great. The next night, another guy gets hot but it needs to be in a more consistent manner where it's not just someone's hot and everyone else is cold or at best lukewarm. And when you see a game like the Atlanta game, when you see the Mavs game, I mean, even when you see the Spurs game to a greater extent, 
that's an example of everyone is starting to click and it hums a lot better. And then you wonder, well, what happens when players start to get healthy? How does that figure out? And you just figure it out when it comes about. Well, in the time being, it's <laughs> it's rolling. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's interesting you brought up the elephant in the room. I was going to save it for the, the end of this before we, we give out game balls. But okay, so let's hold off on that for a second. I think, you know, when we're when we're talking about if this is really if this week was like changed any opinions, um, I want to get back to something you said before in terms of like what this team is going to do for the rest of this year or whatever, like not overreacting, but like what are we taking away from this? For me, it's not a coincidence that Julius Randle just for the first time all season had a positive plus minus three games in a row. That is a staggering statistic, but it is also a fact. Um, you know, and to me, he is like when you talk about the starting lineup, you talk about Julius Randle. When you talk about Julius Randle, you talk about the starting lineup. And the fact that, as you just alluded to, the starting lineup is like playing cohesively, they're playing good ball together. This lineup that kind of didn't work once, but it may, you know, Mitch was like in and out of that. Group. Like, this is the group that they are, they, like, they've had time to now gel a little bit. Mitch has been in here for, I think, all but one game since they went to Alec Burks. Um, because Alec Burks has started the last six. It, something about it works. It's not perfect. Alec Burks did not magically become a point guard. Um, and and all due respect to, uh, with all the gushing we just said about RJ Barrett and Julius Randle, neither of them are point guards. The team still needs a point guard, um, which we may talk about later in this episode a bit. Um, you know, but Burks is doing okay filling in. And for me, at least, when I when I think about this season moving forward, and even past this season, I do start to think like, okay, what would this group look like with a real point card and with Derek Rose back on the bench and with Alec Burks back on the bench, um, which then gets us back to what you started to bring up before. Where there's a lot of, there's, you know, it's the game of musical chairs and um, they're not putting any more, more seats out. They're taking seats away. Um, the defense has been better. I think we should probably mention that um, they've been the number two defense in the league over the last 11 games which is like, I want to give them like 65% credit for that because of who they've played and some of the, should I, should I be, am I being too cruel by like taking away some, because like you play who's on your schedule one and like everybody has played these, these um, teams that are missing guys left and right. And like, right. I, I, they, I should, they should get credit for, for that. Right. As I said last week, when they were third, if they were 10th, we'd say, Hey, they're top 10, but there are nine <laughs> yeah. teams ahead. Yeah. yeah. If they're ranking that high, I think we give them the credit that they deserve, especially a team like Dallas, who has been phenomenal as, as of late, right? I think they've been six and one in the last seven. Yep. They have been scoring on a tear. Their defense has been great. The one loss that they had was against the Knicks, and the Knicks from start to finish just dominated, washed them. Yeah. Um, I, I, they look, Luca looked drunk. I'm just going to say that. I, I don't know how else to say it. Um, and then Actually, I, I guess had a, I had a thought during that game that I wanted to run by you. Like, do you think, obviously, you know, Kleba on the maps. I do. Do you think that when he goes to his house that he, he calls it the maxi pad instead of like the Kleba house? Cause I feel like that'd be a good thing to say. It'd be weird, but it'd be like the innuendo and the, the kind of poking fun at it. I don't know. I think that would be, it's just a, a passing thought I had as I was watching the game in person. You know, every time I think it, 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 you can't get any better. 
you, you pull something out. Um, I hope he calls it the maxi pad. I what? really do. That's, I, that's I, such a great name. And I hope even more than that, that there is like a basement that is decorated like the living room from Goodfellas, like the the after he gets out of prison living room with the the whole with the unit, the entertainment system, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there is a neon sign in with like script lettering in neon and it says maxi pad. The maxi pad, excuse yeah. me. Um pink, obviously, pink neon. Of course. It goes without saying. Uh wow. Okay. So uh yes, the Knicks. Um, <laughs> how could I transition from maxi pad? Um, well, some Knicks weren't, you know, they were playing like it was their time of the month. Um, at many points, <laughs> see, not my first rodeo over the course of this season. Uh, <laughs> we should know we don't have Andrew to corral us here. Uh, we should have, that's why the, the cat's the away. Yeah. So Andrew, this is on you. You should be here to babysit us and you're not myth. What? And by the way, me? There, me? Yes, there are. So the cat, the cat's away, and I'm not going to make the joke I was going to make. Um, so Fournier was. There were reports that maybe he was playing art. Um, RJ, did he have a month long stomach flu? I guess maybe, possibly. We don't know. You know, Julius Randall again, quote unquote, nicked up. Um, you know, or or is this just a matter of like, like so? All of those things are things that were maybe going on, maybe affecting them that we, I don't think we talked about much on this show. Maybe that's our fault. And then there's the matter of like, okay, they gave it 20 games with the starting lineup. They had pulled the plug. Then they went through a different starting lineup. And then not long after that, and by the way, hardest part of their schedule, not long after that COVID hits them guys in and out of the lineup COVID ends. Then Kemba's at like, there's a lot of stuff that's gone on. And Maybe, maybe we've just all been too hard on this team. And I mean, look, they're a game over 500 after what is it? 40, 43 games, right? 45. 45. I, how many games have we it's played? 41, four, it's a half a season. 41 games. No, more than, no, no they've 40, played, they've, they've played 43 games. Okay. I nailed it. Yeah. 43 yeah, games. Right. So a game over 500 after 43 games uh, in a tough East, you know, um, Maybe we didn't give them enough credit. I don't know. Again, I is it's they're an average team, and that's fine because there are a lot of good and average teams out there, and that have been playing up to to par. No, and and recently, of course, the Knicks have not looked like an average team. They've looked like an above average team. Where as a whole, they are now one game over five hundred, which is really still not too far out of line for what Vegas said they would be. It's in so line you, with what Vegas said they would right, be. Exactly. They said <laughs> yeah. 41 and a half and they yeah. are on pace to do just about that. So yeah, I don't, Hey, I, maybe others have taken it to the point. I have been strong in this opinion that they're just, they're perfectly average and that's fine. You've, gotta, you've never wavered. Can I just say I, that? You've I've been, never wavered. Not, not in my life. I make a decision. <laughs> I plant that flag. I don't waver. I just, it's done. I'll die on whatever yeah. hill it is. But, you know, like, it, it, so like, uh, you know, and look, we're, it's a great week for us, uh, for the team, for us. For the, it's it's just, it's been fun. And so maybe it's not fair of me to ask this. And I've kind of almost asked this question. Uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but just I'm thinking off the top of my head as we're talking about this. Um, and again, maybe it's not the fairest week for me to ask this question, but like, how would you like to be some of these other fan bases? I mean, can we just quickly go through the list? Um Sure. 
Atlanta is probably number one on the list. Although the late, I don't know, Atlanta Lakers, that's one A and one B in some order, right? I mean, I got to say the Lakers number one because of the fact that they are a championship team or at least they they lost by 44 points. Yeah. And uh, they've got a Russell Westbrook problem, which is hilarious because I don't know how they looked at that situation when guarding him in the playoffs and then said, Hey, we could use Russell Westbrook to help our team, but uh, whatever. Then I would say the Hawks are probably a close second. You know, when you're two games away from making the finals and you're saying we're here for the long term, and then you can't win at home since November. Yeah. Not great. No, it, they're, they're one and two in some order. Um, I will throw Indiana in there. Um, I'll throw Portland in there. Although Portland, actually, if I was a fan of Portland and I thought they were actually going to lean into this tank, I might be pretty happy. Um, although it doesn't sound like that's what they're going to do. So maybe not so much. Um, New Orleans, you know, um, Sacramento, perpetually Sacramento. Uh even like a team like Utah, like I know they're 28 and 14 and like, God, what I would, what, what toe wouldn't I give to be 28 and 14? But like, even a team like that, that has a great net rating has had like their, their season has been like bumpy for them. Right. Um, in a way. And then like, uh, we don't have, to, this isn't a Nets podcast. I have no interest in talking about the Nets, but that which we should say Kevin Durant's not going to be play, play basketball for another month now. And uh, they haven't exactly been doing great even with him in the lineup of late. So like these things, you know, it's, it's up and down time for a lot of, a lot of teams. And um, there's one other know, the, team that I want to call attention to, please. Yes. The Celtics. And the reason I oh, yes. mentioned them as well is because I was talking with uh, my best friend from college and we were in a group chat and he, I mean, the Patriots obviously were blown out, blown to smithereens by the bills who played. Hate to see it. One of, of course you hate to see it, but one of the best, offensive games ever. I mean, they they didn't punt once. They didn't come short on fourth down. They didn't kick a field goal. They were just dominant. And I said to him after they gave up, you know, touchdown, uh, I said, turn it off and watch the Celtics might be better for your mental health. And he said, you don't understand the depths of suffering. I'd rather put myself through than watch the 2021, 2022 Boston Celtics. I'm telling you, this team has broken so many of their fans that it like, that's just, it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's, uh, yeah, I I do feel for him because he's a good friend, but in general, it is, uh, it's, it's just crazy. Um, I don't know your friend and I don't feel for him. Uh, sorry. Uh, friend, if you're listening to this. Um, so, uh, last thing before we move on to, uh, a, a, a brief in memoriam. I love how he called it in memoriam because as if he's dead. Uh, I'm not even going to say who we're talking about yet. Uh, Andrew was being nice. So he wrote in here again with the rundown. Shout out to you, Andrew. Love you. Olive Branch to John in parentheses. How much credit does Tibbs get for writing the ship despite the storms this team has faced this season? Can I answer this question? It's for you. So please do. He's doing his job. He's, a, he's an NBA head coach. This is his job. Um, he has done a. I'll, I'll, I was going to say he has done a commensurate job as head coach of this team so far. I might be convinced to say, and again, I am I am king king of Thibodeau Island, whatever. I might be convinced to say he's done an above average job, but I also like. I, <laughs> there was a lot wrong with this team that. You could blame on the players for sure. Absolutely. You could blame on the players, but I, I, and he has, after all of that tumult 
it does certainly it seems have has them on the right path. We'll see if it stays that way when guys come back. Um, but I don't know how much he was responsible or, or, or let me rephrase that. I don't know. I think he was responsible for some of it, but I wonder how much of it could have been avoided potentially. Um, and I'm not saying that I, I'm again, I would have done a better job. You would have done a better job. All these people out there who criticize him. I don't think any of them would do a better job, but there's one of 30. He's one of 30 head coaches. These guys are again, ostensibly the best of the best. Um, he's done his job. That's all. I think that's a very fair diplomatic way of looking at it. So I would agree. There you go. Thank you. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay. In memoriam. Good old KK. Kevin Knox. Um, were you ever, before we get into this, were you ever, let me actually, I'll rephrase that. What was the height of your enthusiasm slash belief in Kevin Knox? Like, what was the most ridiculous thing that you ever said about Kevin Knox's ceiling? And I'll, I'll be, I'll say my thing after and it's ridiculous, but I'll go to you first. That he had a ceiling. Like, no, listen, I was, you you must've gone harder than that. I was very much on the McHale Bridges bandwagon for the draft. And then summer league happens and it's it's exciting. You can see, you can very easily talk yourself and like, Hey, this guy is a project has the length, the frame, the shot. He's a Kentucky um, prospect, all the things that you could, you want to believe in. You can, I think it was when he had the rookie of the month in December. Where, right? It was December. Yeah, it was December. Where it's kind of like, you know, this team sucks, but he's doing good things. And if he keeps this up, sure, it's not great shooting from the field and he's too tasked too much of the responsibility, but the team around him is terrible. So I could see him growing into a better player off the top of my head. Maybe it's just because I'm trying to put it out of my mind. I really don't think there were moments where I was like, oh my God, Kevin Knox is the future. It may have happened. it probably did at certain points, but I think that that rookie of the month uh, award was really more just like, okay, this is, um, 
this is exciting. Maybe there's something in there that can work out. And then it didn't. And um, <laughs> it, no, it's true. No, you know, it did it's, not. <laughs> I mean, his father called him a Rolls Royce. And I'm sure my dad would say the same thing about me if I, you know, were doing whatever I'm doing. And, and that's, that's great. I love the support. But again, I just, there's just, there's not a lot out there for an elite player. And if he turns it around, then good for the Hawks. Great scouting, great decision making to give up on Cam Reddish. Well, it's, it's yeah, the whole pick as well. It's not great scouting. No, I, I it's know. great just, taking a fucking shot in the dark. <laughs> One man's trash, another man's treasure, yeah. so to speak. Um, I sure. Um, I I'm not going to speak. And I I've uh, been lucky enough to talk to Mr. Knox, uh, Kevin Knox's dad. He's a really nice guy. I, I don't blame him for any of the things that he said. Huh? Um, that said, I'm not going to reference uh, that story or that conversation because I, I quite frankly, I, I I don't think it adds any value. Um, I went on locked on Knicks. It was like the first week that Gavin and Alex took over, except it wasn't Gavin and Alex because Alex had like just gone on his honeymoon or something. And it was just Gavin. And we did a bit where, and it was during Kevin Knox's rookie season where it was like, put a percentage chance on each Nick on the roster of how likely they are to make an all-star team. And I am fairly certain. I said that there was a 40% chance that Kevin Knox would make an all-star team someday. So great job by me. Hey, uh, I just got to say that bodes very well for the people who love RJ Barrett. <laughs> very well. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I, 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 I'll have to ask Alex about like when he got married, because if it was like right after his rookie of the month, I don't, I won't feel so bad about it. But my rationale was like, we know he's going to be able to score in the league. Like there's no way this guy's not going to score 20 a game. It's just a matter of if he gets the defense together. It didn't really work out. So, I mean, we should, we, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this. Like why didn't it work out in New York? Is it, did the Knicks fail him? Is he just a flawed player? Like, here's my take on Kevin Knox. If he had gone to a really good developmental organization, one, I don't think he would have went to them with the eighth pick in the draft, right? He was taking eighth. Eighth or ninth? I always get confused. Uh, no, he was taking ninth. He was ninth he was ninth. Frank was eighth. That's what it was. He, mm-hmm. he okay. Um, one, I don't think that really good developmental organization would have taken him ninth. Um, if he did go to a good developmental organization, I think he'd be an NBA player. I think they would have figured out how to make him an NBA player. But the notion that like he's not, a, you know, a fifteen point a game starter on a good team because the Knicks drafted him. I think is a bit much. And, and I say this being fully of the belief that they could not have done a worse job with this particular player. Yeah. But you know, I mean, it's not like he didn't get a fair shot in New York, especially under Tibbs. He was in the rotation last year and then he couldn't crack it but, because he just wasn't progressing. That's okay. That's fair. But I, I wonder, was he already broken by that point? Because to me, what they did to him as a rookie, to, to go from what happened as a rookie where they would just do whatever the fuck you want, nobody cares. And then it's like, oh, you have, like, you're just not going to get any time because you're not as good as Marcus Morris, who, by the way, they traded for a first round pick. It's like, that's like telling a child, and like Kevin Knox is a child, um, like, oh, you could have whatever dessert you want uh, for a year. And then all of a sudden, one day they come home. And it's like, oh, yeah, we threw all that dessert out. Now you have to run laps around the block in order to earn your dessert. And it's like, what? It's and I just didn't think he knew how to handle that. Sure. But I don't know. It just it seems like one of the bigger things is 
like play this player more, do this. And it's like, well, he got free reign. I hear you. It's the restriction where it's like, well, I could do that. Why can't I do that anymore? But like he had plenty of time to show it. No, I know. And then he had similar responsibility. He had a coach that could actually do. I mean, the one thing I remember that his father was saying, because I believe his father was in the military. Right. Yeah. And it was like, well, his father was a former NFL player. player but maybe he had a military background also well, he, i forget i know he was at fsu because he yes you know but because he played with charlie ward for that championship team but it was the sort of thing where i remember reading how he said his son needs discipline he's the type of, of yeah. player who is you know like when you have a drill sergeant type of coach he responds well to that that's tom thibodeau to a t it's you have to play tibbs's way and if you don't you're not going to get time. We don't know. The <laughs> and whole he story, didn't. <laughs> he but didn't we know time. from what we saw on the court that he had the opportunity and he lost it. And then there were better players ahead of him. And then the Knicks were left with really no choice, but to eventually trade him. And that's what they did. And uh, you know, it, it was nice seeing clearly he's not a bad person. He's a good guy because you could see how loved he is by the other players where yeah, he's a great the game, kid. They were mobbing him. He seems it, he's but a it great just wasn't kid. working out here. And I hope for the best that it, it works in Atlanta, but he's not, he's also not going to fix what they need help with. That's for sure. Uh, he's not going to help on the defensive side, but no, no. And, and I think for them, tra- and this will be a good transition to the Cam Reddish discussion as I um, make you uh, the host um, for our next segment. Um, the, the Reddish trade for them seemed to be just more about like getting a guy, getting someone out of the way because there were too many too many bodies uh, to give time to. And it was causing, I guess, issues in the locker room. Um, and they, they got a first round pick out of it. And you heard Trevor for anybody who didn't hear Travis Schlank, the Hawks GM talk about it. He went through the whole song and dance about uh, their analytics. People thought there's a 90% chance that the first round pick is going to convert. And like, that's valuable to them. First round picks never lose their value. They always are worth something, blah, 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 blah. So that's what this was about. It's it was and the fact that he didn't mention Kevin Knox's name once in that press conference is telling. You know, as for like uh, you know lingering thoughts on Reddish, I, I don't really have any other than this, which is that I have no earthly clue what we are going to see, and I mean that in this way. I think there's a possibility the Knicks trader for this guy thinking, "Holy shit." He could be he could be the answer for us if he hits in the way that like you know uh, scouts thought before he went to Duke or like some scouts thought even when he was at Duke like if he hits in that way like he could be the guy that like completes the R J Randall like and he makes it work he's like this playmaking giant wing and the whole thing um, and and he comes in here and by the end of the season he's playing twenty five thirty minutes a night maybe he's even starting. If you told me that that was going to happen and he was, they were going to like let him, you know, play through his 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 uh, issues. I okay, I wouldn't be shocked. If you told me he became healthy and he didn't, he wasn't a member of the rotation because Tibbs was like, yeah, I don't think he's going to play right now. I'm not going to fucking play him. We'll revisit in the offseason. That wouldn't shock me. Nothing would shock me about this move. I have no idea what's going to happen. And I think anyone assuming like, oh, Cam Reddish is going to get time. You know how I know that's not true? Because Tom Thibodeau fucking told you it wasn't true. Because Tim sat up there and was like, listen, we have too many guys. I can't play everybody. We'll see what happens. You know, it, it, it is what it is. 100%. I mean, especially because of the fact that the Knicks drafted Obi Toppin eighth overall. He's been getting 10 minutes per game in the last six or seven contests. So it just goes to show that you got to switch off with these guys. It's not going to, you're not going to necessarily have a set rotation, but if you do, 
there are going to be guys who just are finding themselves on the outside looking in. And how you manage that will be fascinating uh, because you know you don't need to necessarily trade players. Like I would love to see Quentin Grimes get into the rotation, but if there are better players ahead of him, it doesn't mean you trade Quentin Grimes. It just means he's finding himself more on the outside looking in than he might be. And then in the offseason, maybe you look, okay, well, how can we package players? What can we do to to do something where we consolidate so we have less of a of a log jam, maybe not a lot, you know, maybe not eradicating log jam period, but doing something. Um, I have a prediction. Sort of yes. What's your prediction? Um, I'm not going to say if Derek Rose comes back, when Derek Rose comes back, because Derek Rose is going to come back. He's not going to get traded. Um, when Derek Rose comes back, if Obi Toppin is still on this team, either Obi Toppin or Cam Reddish will be out of the rotation. I feel very comfortable sitting here and saying that because um, whether Derek Rose starts or Alec Burks starts, one of those guys is going to be starting. Rose is playing, Quickly's playing, and I believe Quentin Grimes is playing. I do not believe there is any chance that Quentin Grimes does not stick in this rotation, especially in favor of Cam Reddish and Obi Toppin. I don't see a world where Tom Thibodeau plays Cam Reddish and Obi Toppin together. I don't think he trusts them. He may I, not. And again, I hope all of that's, I was just using Grimes as an example, but yes, the, the bottom line is there's going to be someone who is deserving of minutes. Or we feel uh, is deserving of minutes. Uh, who just is. We're not the coach. <laughs> exactly. We don't get to decide. No. Um, um, all right. Anything else we need to talk about with, with, uh, I mean, look, we, we've been dancing around it. I, I don't think we need to have the whole, like, and this is what every Nick fans were talking about all week. Like, Oh, what's the next trade to come? Like, there may not be another trade to come. Like maybe there's another trade to come. Maybe there isn't another trade to come. We're going to talk about a scenario right now that may involve some things, but like the notion that like, if you think that like Leon Rose is going to make a deal before the deadline, because he's like, Oh, we have too many guys. We must get rid of one of these guys. Then you haven't been paying attention. That's not how this front office operates. That's not how Tibbs like, he's not going to like tell them like, Oh, you we have too many. Guys. Like, no, he's not going to do that. No, so he's not. And for them, it seems patience is a virtue, much more so than for a lot of other fans who might say, like, get me this player, get me that player. I want it now. They're comfortable waiting and just letting these things sort themselves out. If the right deal is available, as you say, sorts itself out. If if it sorts itself into a deal, then they'll make a deal. But it's, it's you know, anyway. OK, uh, you have a little surprise for us here. I do. Yeah. It's just a, a little thing that I want to small surprise. You know, it's like, we, we, it's like a, we talked about it during the live stream, but yes, I sometimes feel that showing might be better than telling as well. Um, the, the first slides for these always get me. I can't wait to see it. Okay. I, I do like this one. It's, I think it's a good one. All right, here we go. Oh my God. Okay. Hold on. Let me take them. Um, see, it, this is the thing. It always, it, the way it hits me initially, it's like, what am I looking at it? So we have, I am looking for anybody on listening on the podcast. I am looking at a camera. Mm-hmm. And a bowl or a frisbee or an oval. Okay. Well, what color is this? Opera? Red. Okay. Black and red. Camera red. Cam red. Cam red. Cam reddish. Yes. Cam red dish. Oh, it's a dish. Yes, it's a, it's it's a red a dish. dish. Cam, oh. Camera reddish. Cam reddish. Yeah. Oh, it looked like more of a bowl to me. That's fair. It's the angle. I get it. The it's the angle. It's the, the PNG. Totally. It's a it's a deep dish. It's it a is. deep it, not deep dish. It's a deep pizza. cut. But right. Yeah. That too. But cam. <laughs> so here's the thing with cam red dish. Uh, 
the Knicks broke this trade up into two, interestingly enough. So it was... Is that a fact? It is because, and you can tell oh, because of the fact shit. that okay. both teams received very small traded player exceptions. So the way that the trade worked was Cam Reddish for Kevin Knox. And then it was the Charlotte first round pick for Solomon Hill and the Brooklyn second round pick in 2025. So, you know, it, the, the trade player exception, it's not going to do a whole lot. You might be able, I think it was for... Is it 1.7? Like, yeah, it was 1.17. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and, oh, maybe it's one. Okay. Basically what that means, you know, you can't add it to other salaries. You can't add it to other teams. It means nothing. Create them. <laughs> well, it means something if you get like a first year player's salary. Like if you got a rookie's salary in a trade, that would satisfy it. But you can also just, you don't have to use it. It's probably going to go unused. It yeah. may not, but most tend to go unused. This is so small that it just doesn't even matter. Um, That's a, um, okay. Don't, don't, just don't even. Not, we're just moving on. Camera. Okay, on. here we we're go. Moving on. Um, <clears throat> So just things to consider with that. But I basically, I want to show first, this is what the Knicks situation would look like if they didn't make the trade for Cam Reddish and Solomon Hill, where, you know, there's a lot going on here. I get it. Just as a reminder, if you're watching, so yellow means estimated. If you see orange, it is an unrestricted free agents cap hold. If you see the peach color, it's a restricted free agents cap hold. Um, The red lettering for Taj is non-guaranteed contracts. The purple highlight is team option and the blue highlight is the rookie option. So, you know, this is basically just this year, next year, and the year after. And it shows the current projected and the max room that goes with it. So when you look here, right? And I added the 15th pick, assuming that's what the Knicks got. And let's say the Hornets pick finishes 20th. Again, this is if they did not make the trade. Correct. Uh, You're looking at it. And basically for, if you focus on just next year, uh, the Knicks have, really they can create $3.7 million. If of course the pick didn't convert from the Hornets end um, or, you know, they traded it, then that's another 2.8 in this case. Maybe they <laughs> trade New Orleans Noel, dump him to OKC and something works that way. Then that's another 9.2 million. And you're basically looking at an extra $11 million, which you could use and get cap space, but there's not really a need to, right? Because as we've talked about, the Knicks are probably going to operate above the salary cap, which is totally fine. And, and again, the, the reason for that is to make sure I'm, uh, I understand this, is it's better to have a $10 million um, uh, exception, which is what the Knicks are in line to get, than just $3.7 million in room, which is what they would have here, right? Uh, pretty much, yeah. I mean, yeah, it'd be this, it'd be $3.7 million plus the room exception, which is going to be like $5 million or so. But you wouldn't more. be able to combine those. So it's it, correct. The, the, uh, what is, well, oh my God, the name of the exception is escaping me. The, the room exception? Or the no, mid-level? The, the mid level. Thank you. Yeah. The non tax mid level is going to be around $10 million. Yeah. Yeah. But you get a nice, to you're going to get on getting a nice player this summer for $10 million. If you, if you, Wanted if the math works out, yes, a hundred percent. You you could get someone who fits that role. I mean, again, we're talking about roster spots and rotation, so it's going to be fascinating to see if the Knicks are even able to sign someone and use it. But, well, we're 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 assuming all these people are still going to be here next year, which I I think sure, yeah, yeah. they're, they're but, probably not. And ignore twenty twenty three twenty four if you looked at it, whatever. But we'll get to that in a second. This is of course what the Knicks have done. They made the trade. They got Cam Reddish. As you can see, if the Knicks wanted to make max room and still had that 15th pick overall, they'd have under a million dollars in cap space. So it's important 
to just continue operating over the cap because there's no reason to go for cap space. It's just not necessary. You can also be more flexible because of the salary matching rules, right? Like there's a certain tier where you can just basically match that and then add five million dollars, and that's how it works out. Like if it's a a like a sixteen million dollar salary, you just have to do eleven million dollars, and then you can add five, and that works out perfectly. So you could be a little bit more flexible when it's trading contracts, which again goes into the line of the whole Evan Fournier signing and why the Knicks signed him so well, and blah blah blah. Yeah. It, you can work it out. But then let's go to 2023-24. So on the left-hand side, it's what it would have been. On the right-hand side, it's what it is now. Okay. Um, so basically, what the Knicks did with Kevin Knox, it's also called a perpetual stew, but they <laughs> turned him into continuous soup. They got something for it. Why is that important? Well, <clears throat> now, and I should add, uh, I gave Mitch a, you know, just ballparked it. It's not going to be an exact science, but listen, let's say for the sake of money, he got $10 million this summer. It could easily be more. I think, um, I think $10 million. I think, yeah. listen, I think you're, I just want to say here, I think your numbers are very fair. $10 million starting salary for Mitch, 25 a year for RJ. And you have here, this, this, you'll get some pushback on I will. some and, folks. And, and that's not even like, that's just because I thought the number I'll just say I I have Cam Reddish at getting twenty million. I don't know if he will necessarily, especially based on what we've seen. Hold on, it's just it's a cleaner number because fives and tens and who's the most who's the most plugged in New York beat reporter there is? Would be Mark Berman, I guess, or or were you saying Ian Bagley? Ian could be early. It's or Popper. It could be a lot of these guys. It's Ian Bagley. Okay, Ian Bagley said eighteen to twenty. That's the number that he said. He's not pulling that number out of his ass. No, no, and that's what I was kind of operating with in mind. And I also thought like, all right, let's say he does well and pushes that up. It's at least kind of like a contingency. This is what we're prepared for. But even so, the Knicks turn Kevin Knox to said in continuous soup. And that's important because of the fact that we have talked about trading for stars down the line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny because maybe like a month and a half ago, I looked through the list of 2018 draft prospects or the players that were taken. And I thought, who could the Knicks trade for that they can then pay, which gives them more salary to deal from down the line. And the only real player that made a lot of sense was Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, which again, draft class? This is the 2018 draft class. This was the Kevin Knox year. Oh, the, okay. So this is the, okay. Sorry. Right. Yeah. You know, it's either stars that are not going anywhere or players that fit on teams. And, you know, I, I thought that's the one guy that fits. Uh, first of all, the Bucks really, I mean, they weren't going to do it. Secondly, he has injuries. Uh, third thing with Dante DiVincenzo. Well, um, if you know, you know, I'll leave it at that. But the, the bottom line here is the Knicks needed someone, but I gave up on it because I thought there's no 2018 guy that's going to fit. But there's a 2019 guy and it's Cameron Reddish. And so this is the beauty of it where the Knicks are turning a player and can extend him into something more down the line. And I guess I'll, I'll go to the next slide here as well. And can I, can I just, like it, it, well, finish this and then I'm going to interject real quick. Right. So if you look here for, you know, Julius Randall and the difference between Julius is the current and the projected, it's basically bonuses, but you've got Julius, RJ, Fournier, Rose, Robinson, Burks, Noel, that's seven guys. And again, I'm not also saying that all these players will still be here a year and a half from now. It's more just, it's easier to operate under that lens. Um, they're going to make other moves, I'm sure. It's also why I highlighted Kemba, turning him into continuous soup as well. That's going to be very important. That's something they should look to do. 
being able to do that. And then, hey, you added another guy, Cam Reddish, another player to choose from. And I think the reason why I also gave Barrett and Cam those salaries was because we could talk about what is fair value for each of them. And I think there are valid arguments either way. But the most important thing, I'll say this now, I'm going to say it in four months. I'm going to say it four months from that, from, from that point. The most important thing that the Knicks can do with RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish is signing them to extensions in the offseason. Bingo. And the reason for that, it's not about the money. Forget about the money. The reason is if you extend them, then when you need to potentially trade them, if that's what the right deal is, you have them. It's why the Knicks locked down Julius Randle. It's the same thing here. If you let RJ Barrett and or Cam Reddish get to restricted free agency, and then you want to make a trade, it's tough to do because you have to deal with base year compensation, which we've talked about in the past with matching salaries, it becomes a hassle. You risk the market. It's all these things. You overpay for the right to have the premium of trading these players on the, at the drop of a hat if that's what you want. And that is why it is so important to do that, which is why I'm totally fine overpaying, so to speak, um, more than it is. Even if you're betting against yourself or you know whatever it is, you have to lock these players down because if there is a superstar that wants to come into the building and you have the assets to do it, you can do it without any hesitation. Um, I want to... So you... Uh, you summarized it really, really well there uh, at the end. I, I just, I want to be very clear what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is the death of free agency in the NBA. Um, for now, and, at least for the next four or five years. You know, how the, the you, landscape is. You say, I, I think we need to go into the next CBA and operate under a potentially different set of rules before we're going to get a real scenario where free agency is ever back in a, in a significant way. That's my, that's my own two cents. I know you may disagree there. Well, I, the only, the objection I will say, say is it. that the new TV deal kicks in in 2025. I know, I know. And look at the, the class that is there in 2025. It's going to be back to, depending on how they work out, smoothing the cap and everything, that is going to be a year that is, very so important. let me let me rephrase my let me rephrase that it's not that free agency is dead it's not a prerequisite anymore and i'm not sure how long it's really been a prerequisite um again kevin durant didn't sign with the brooklyn nets kevin durant signed with the golden state warriors and then was traded to the brooklyn nets after they uh signed and traded d'angelo russell to the golden state warriors um if players want to go to your city they're going to go to your city. That is the reality that has been the case for a very long time now, and it is still the reality. And uh, Andrew, wherever you are, uh, as you're editing this, make sure you have a drink handy. Uh, Zach Lowe was, was doing a very quick um, assessment of the trade on his podcast, and he noted that like the Knicks are obviously not, or he made light of the fact that the Knicks are obviously not going the free agency route anytime soon because of this trade. And they are going to, the plan is to resign Cam Reddish. And then he said something to the effect of like, but that doesn't even really matter anymore because trades, free agency, it's like six, one half dozen, the other. Um, that is the situation. And the, 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 the new, not new, the, the currency in the NBA in terms of making these trades is tradable salary. And if you look at the cap sheet that, again, if you're watching on YouTube, you could see Jeremy has so brilliantly laid out. These are all easily fungible, easily packageable, tradable 
salaries. It's what it's what is going. It is the easiest types of things to move. And if you're if you're asking yourself like, well, what if Cam Reddish sucks? Well, if Cam Reddish sucks, then that's a problem. But like, look across the league and look across the league specifically at salaries that are non max salaries in this range of like the teens to like the low twenties and ask yourself like how many of these salaries are untradeable? Um, and like, yeah, are some salaries better salaries than others? Uh, of course is, um, I'm trying to think of an answer is Fred Van Vliet's salary better than buddy Hill's salary. Of course it is. And like, guess what? The Raptors aren't trading Fred Van Vliet, but guess what? Also like the Lakers, should have traded for Buddy Hill this summer, and they were fucking idiots to not do it. Even though Buddy Hill is like overpaid on his salary, um, you just have to get guys that are like solid basketball players. And like, yeah, there's still a, a little bit of TBD for that with Cam Reddish, and I acknowledge that. Um, you know, but even someone like Fournier, like we're seeing, Fournier is like coming back around. Like, is his salary great? No, it's not great, but whatever, it's fine. Somebody will take it on because you know what? They're not trading for Evan Fournier. They're trading for whatever else comes along with Evan Fournier. And that's what we've been dancing around on this podcast for what seems like several years. And I just wanted to like really drive that point home, which you obviously so eloquently laid out. No, that's perfect. And again, free agency is not dead. It's just in a coma. You know, it can wake up, but it's, it's, it needs some Viagra. It's unconscious. I mean, sure. Um, <laughs> so, you know where they could get some Viagra? I'm sure they have some Viagra at the maxi pad. I deserve that. Um, you do. Well <laughs> I think also if you're looking at this and you're thinking, well, how can the Knicks even do this? Right. I mean, just for the players that are on the team without even considering how you continue a soup Kemba, there are there's 158 million dollars almost just based on you just use continuous soup as a verb. I did, I did again. Look, soup is like a top five word in the English language. Right? It's a great soup. word. It's great. It's, it's great phenomenal. Word. Um, Kemba has been continuously souped. Okay, yes, continue, has. please. Um, <clears throat> it sounds like a thing that would happen at the maxi pad, but anyways. Um, God, Andrew. We apologize this is on you. Um, it's but, all on it's Andrew's fault. For not it being is, here. It's Andrew's fault. Damn it, Andrew. Oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> okay. All right. So, but here's the thing: you have 158 million dollars. So you're probably thinking, well, like, okay, the salary cap's 121.6 or so. How can the Knicks possibly do this? And the answer is, as long as they don't get hard capped, they're yeah. fine. As long as they, in that year, 2023, 24. Don't sign and trade for a star or any player, really. Or, or um, hold on, as long as they don't hard cap themselves before they have their championship roster in place, you could hard cap yourself if you yeah. have, if like, this this upcoming offseason. I fully expect the Knicks to once again for the third year under the Leon Rose ministry hard cap themselves be yeah. under the hard cap. But here, you're not going to do that. Um, at least you you can't or you shouldn't because it's going to just you know you can't hit the tax apron. And that's, you can't go over at any point if you are hard cap. So it's the sign and trade. It's if you spend more money than the uh, taxpayer mid-level exception, but using the non-taxpayer one, and it's using the biannual exception. You can't do either of those three. But this upcoming season, I mean, you, you could you could effectively do whatever you want. It's not really a problem. But the following year, it's like how the Nets and the Warriors can keep having ridiculously high payrolls. They just don't fall under the hard cap and they're fine. So 
it's trying to consider all of those things. And again, it's James Dolan's money. As long as he's willing to spend, who cares? And, and, and part, he has shown a willing, willingness to spend. And part great. Part of what he's spending that money on is Brock Aller, who's one of his thousands of tasks is to think about the things like not getting hard capped years ahead of time. So um, all this stuff we're talking about, like they've already talked about all this stuff. They're already knowledgeable about, uh, knowledgeable about all this stuff before they made the trade. Um, I guarantee you, they went through the process of like, here's how this is going to help us do X, Y, Z and and so on and so forth in two years. So um, it is. And again, I, I haven't really seen it listed elsewhere, but I mean, th- this is why I focus on strategy. This is what, they're doing. If it wasn't apparent before that they were lining up for a big trade, this should be even more so like flashing red lights. They are going that direction. They are continuing to go that direction because the thing about this pick, and I think I said a little bit about it in our live stream, but that was a bit of a blur. This pick that they could have used and had instead, maybe it's a better asset down the line, right? Very possible. Maybe that pick is better or it turns into something that's better than Cam Reddish is. But here's the other factor. If that pick does well and it's on a rookie scale contract, that's great, but you still need money to make the deal work for whatever star you're getting. And basically what the Knicks are saying is we think we can get similar talent, but for more money, because teams are going to bet on, we said it before, it's it's what wins and it's hope. I think you could say, well, we can talk ourselves into a 24-year-old on a decent contract with the right frame, with things that we like. It's not also that Cam Reddish is only worth what the Knicks paid up. I mean, sure, you are what you're worth. And you could say that for salaries. But you could also say, well, if the Lakers had more at their disposal, would they have offered more than two second round picks? Sure. I just don't think they wanted to give up the one first round pick that they had for Cam Reddish. The Knicks had the luxury of saying, you yeah, know, we can we can take a flyer. That's fine. It's worth it. Financially, pick wise, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the Knicks are in a much but we're in so that's the pushback against, and I, I certainly said this, well, there are 28 other teams in the league. Why didn't they make this trade? The Knicks are in a uniquely advantageous position to not only make this trade, but benefit from this trade in ways that a lot of other teams can't. Um, and again, it's not that like they're higher on this as, as, as if nothing else should become clear through what Jeremy just, uh, again, so eloquently explained. It's not that the Knicks are higher than Cam Reddish on 28 other teams. Then higher, sorry, higher than on Cam Reddish than 28 other teams. It's that this makes a lot of sense for them in a lot of different ways. And you know what? Is there a chance they're going to look at Cam Reddish over the next three months and be like, you know what? This guy is in our cup of tea <laughs> we, and get out of the Cam Reddish business this summer. It's possible. I, I don't think it's likely. Um, but yeah, of course, that's a possibility, which is why it's nice that they get a uh, whatever it's going to be a 39 game game sample of him. So, and again, find me another player that can go from limited salary to however much is willing to be paid. There aren't many out there, which is why you hit on these guys who are close. If the Knicks basically didn't believe in Cam Reddish and he was up for a payday and they had cap space, then I might say I'm a little concerned about that because you basically have to decide on him, but they don't because of the fact that he won't be eating into cap space. It's similar to Mitchell Robinson. A reason why it was, I don't want to pay Mitchell Robinson last year uh, necessarily before everyone else, even though, you could go above the salary cap. Let me rephrase. I'm getting confusing. Let's say the Knicks decided we don't want to fill up our cap sheet for long, the long term. Uh, and they wanted to kind of go bargain shopping like they did the year before. And then they extended Mitchell Robinson. That would be eating into cap space. But instead, what the Knicks will hopefully be doing, because if Mitch keeps playing like this, he deserves it. They'll be going above the cap. 
It, yep. it is no issue whatsoever to pay Mitchell Robinson because there's not an opportunity cost because it's just, you can give him however much you want. And that's how the Knicks have played this beautifully. And that's how I continue to see them doing this. Yeah. Um, they haven't made any ro- look. You you could quibble about their player evaluation and you know Fournier's fit and this and the other thing, but from a uh, from an asset management perspective, they've they know what the hell they're doing. Um, so thank you for that. That was really good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's. Uh, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on uh, game ball. I mean, talk about uh, an easy one. Uh, again, I love uh, Andrew puts here. Someone else besides RJ Barrett because John likes to be different. Uh, I'm not giving this to anybody else. Fuck that. Uh, RJ Barrett. Um, he 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 has he has risen to a level i think in the last week in particular last four games if you want to extend it a little bit further out that i at times this season wondered if we were going to get this year and the fact that we are getting it around the halfway mark of the season um is a massive development and i am extraordinarily excited to see what we get because I, I I would, I really, I have to, I I haven't had time to do this and I wish I had like a day to do nothing because that's ever going to happen to look back and see how many other players. Cause I know there have been other players like this who have made, I'm going to say it the leap midway through their third season. It has happened before. I know it's happened before. I just can't think of a good comp right now and I'm going to find one or two. Um, but you know, it feels like that's what we may be seeing. So that's that's RJ Barrett's getting my um, game ball of the week. Not just leap. I'm curious about leap in the third year, but also for a 21 year old because we've yeah. seen how many players in their third year explode on the scene, and yet they're maybe a bit older. Um, but here it's it's you know a young kid who's just you know doing fantastic things. So I think that's very fair to put him there. For me, it's trickier because there are a lot of great candidates. You know, I I had Mitch in my doghouse for detention last week. I think he is a phenomenal candidate for how he's been playing. And, um, you know, I could use him as the nominee. I could say really pretty much the entire starting lineup, honestly. For sure. But I feel like I cannot do a cap or no cap without shouting out the front office as a whole. And so I'll give them my game ball. And it's well done. It's um, I just, I think the other thing here is when the trade went down, obviously there were reports on RJ and cam not being that close. And the first thing I kind of thought of was, well, like, please just tell me the front office did their due diligence to speak with RJ Barrett. And then RJ said, yeah, we talked about it and I gave my approval and I thought, great. And then I'm thinking, okay, well, here's what else is probably going to happen. I would imagine that the brain trust is going to talk with Walt Perrin and say, Walt, what do the draft prospects look like? And Walt says, you know, this class is whatever. You have to think that this class isn't 
super talented, which is kind of the consensus. Can um, I can I speak to that real quick? I was reading uh, yeah, yeah. Sam 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 Vecini this week. Yeah, I was, it was and he he said the exact same thing. He's like right. after the top four. It, you know, it's eye of the beholder stuff where you got a guy who's might get drafted fifth, who another team has like 20th on their board. And that th- this class in general was just, just was not, like you said, it was not a very good, good class. Right. So if Walt Perrin and the rest of the scouting department says, we're not thrilled with it, it's fine. And then gave approval. And then Leon Rose turned to Brock Aller saying, how can we do this with the math? And Brock Aller says, we can do Brock Aller things with it. And it works that way. And it just, there's, there. It, there has to have been conversation. It's not like this was just, let's find that guy. Let's bring Duke back together and make the next. Yeah. No. It's, it was synergy, you know, other buzz words that we can use in business strategy, um, cooperation, whatever you want to say. It, I have to give it to the front office. And I think, especially as the team does well, and Benji talked about this in a tweet, the, the ability that the team is showing what the front office wanted the team to do. They are basically saying, this is what we idealized when we brought them all together. It took long enough, but you're seeing the vision come together. And that is in so many ways, a gold star for them, because it's not just like, I can't believe they didn't do this. I can't believe they did that. It's they did this and you just, we need a little bit of time and maybe some luck to have things come together. We'll see if that continues, but you see glimpses of it now. And I, I just, I think we have to show where we're at, where the team is at and give them their flowers for the time being. Um, perfectly way, perfect segue, excuse me, to detention. And I'm going to give my detention this week. So anybody who needs to be locked in a room by themselves with just bread and water for the week to anybody after this week who's complaining about the usage or minutes of Obi Toppin. Um, this is the best week the Knicks have had all season. Obi Toppin is a promising young second year. Well, not that young. He's a promising second year player. He does very nice things on the court. At no time, I, I don't think, has there ever been a notion from any like intelligent Knicks fan that the the best solution for this team as currently constructed, you want to talk about making some roster moves and this and that and rejiggering things. That's a different conversation. But as currently constructed, the best solution for this team to reach its ceiling is to have Julius Randle just play better basketball. There was never a world where Obi Toppin was going to be better than Julius Randle. That is not a thing that is ever the case. It is not a thing that is ever going to be the case. So now that Julius Randle is apparently playing better and being more you know, deferring to RJ Barrett to let RJ take more of the load. Like if that's the version we're going to get, then Obi's going to, you know, go back to the role that he has. And if you are someone who just listened to Jeremy's um, game ball and is like, well, how are we supposed to praise this front office? If they just drafted this guy eighth overall, and now they're burying him on the bench or allowing the coach to bury him on the bench. And Oh, by the way, he might be out of the rotation now that they've traded for Cam Reddish. I want to reference something that uh, the great Yaron Weissman wrote, or at least a story he referenced in his book, Tanking to the Top, about Sam Hinkie. And Sam Hinkie, in accumulating all the picks in the world and like the whole thing, Sam Hinkie did so not because he thought he was great at drafting, but because he knew that drafting was a fucking crapshoot and that it was not an exact science and that you were going to make mistakes. And it would be worse for me 
if and I'm not saying Obi Toppin's a bust. I do want to be very clear about that. I'm not saying Obi Toppin's a bust. I'm not saying he's even a bad player. I think he's a very good player, helpful player, and I think he'd be a helpful player on this team. But here's the but: should they trade him in the next three weeks, or should he go out of the rotation for a period of time? I don't want to hear that. That is some kind of a like black mark on this front office because every front office has hits and misses with draft picks. The point is to not live in the past and not be ha- not be handcuffed by by past decisions because you're like, oh, we we picked this player, we must see this through. You know, that's how that's like that's bad decision making. Um, you have to look forward. Um, I hope the best for Obi Toppin moving forward. I just I can't hear any complaints about like, oh my God, none of this matters because they're only playing Obi top in 10 minutes. Come on. It's this is crazy. So anybody who's saying that, sorry, I'm putting in detention. I think that's fair. And yeah, the other thing with Obi we can go back to is national player of the year in a year where scouting for a draft was the most challenging. It maybe has ever been due to the pandemic. Uh, They were operating on what they could. Obviously he was working with uh, Jalen Brunson's father, Rick Brunson, they had inside it info, CAA. We know all the connections. It doesn't even matter. The Knicks went out and they found a player that they felt could fit with what they're doing. Am and to I replace the guy, they probably thought they were going to trade. Probably. And then, the and then turned into what he turned into. Right. And now, am I worried about Obi Toppin's place on this team? I am. I don't think that Cam is going to see significant minutes the four. I think there still will be time. But if Obi can't be a small ball five, if he can't get more than 10 minutes from behind Julius Randle, I think a lot of the thing with Obi is, you know, we talk about, or it's talked about how his form looks great. He should be shooting better. Sure. A lot of it's also theoretical in the sense of, or or hypothetical. If this happened, then he'd get more time. If he shot the ball better. Well, that's great. It's, it's true. Sure. But also he's got to do it. And if you're Tom Thibodeau and you feel like the guy who's out there can't give you winning minutes and it's a problem. And I understand why people could say, well, then he should be getting more time because if he gets more time, he's more comfortable. We talked about the log jam. We talked about the issues. You don't also trade. And I know you're not suggesting this, but you don't package Obi in a deal to ease out of the consolidation just no. for the sake of it. Right? Like I've talked about miles Turner who has certainly cooled off and now is injured and is now, and as Mitch plays well, it's like, okay, well, is he really the strongest of targets? You don't necessarily turn around and say, well, what about Obi and Noel for Miles Turner? Why? Well, it's an upgrade at the five and Obi's not playing. Okay. You don't just give it away because you're not using it properly. If you want to use him properly, you need to. But it's not like you have to move him right away because of the fact that there's nothing happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just something people should keep in mind because, again, you said it with the front office. They're going to go at their own pace. And if there's a better deal, like if a superstar turns around next summer and it says, I want out and you can find a way to get OB minutes elsewhere because some team believes in him, that's a different story. But just trading him for the sake of clearing him away, giving him a spot to flourish. This isn't like Kevin Knox. I I know it can seem like that because Knox was outside of the rotation, but it's not like if we don't trade OB now, he can walk. We don't want to deal with that situation. It's it's very different. I'll say this though. I think by the end of his rookie year, there were already significant red flags about Kevin Knox or like around. I mean, I, you know, I, I read all the same stuff everybody else did about like, the, and, and I, I watched him play like those, that stuff was there. I, I'm not saying there aren't red flags about Obi 
because there is some stuff that I think he, there's a question of like, is he ever going to be really like, I think he's probably always going to need to play the four. And if you don't believe it really comes down to, do you believe in the jump shot? If you, if you don't believe in the jump shot, then you're looking at probably a guy who's not ever going to get rotation minutes on a really good team. If you believe in the jump shot, then that's a very different story. And then you're looking, then you could talk yourself into, you know, a ceiling of like John Collins or, or something close to that. I still think there is enough uncertainty there now. And I wonder, will that same amount of uncertainty be there after another 30 some odd games on, on this team? I guess if he, if he like is out of the rotation and he doesn't play, maybe, I don't know. Is that like not necessarily the work, like the worst thing for his, you see what I'm saying here? I just wonder is, you know, there is such a thing as striking while the iron's hot. I'm not saying the, the iron is hot on the Obi top and trade market right now, but I at least have to ask myself the question. Sure. And you're losing half a season by him not playing and it's, well, what his value is he, is it depreciating to that yeah. extent? Maybe yeah. it is, but it also has to be the right deal. And it has to be the right deal. It's funny that you were saying just based on like, Oh, if this hits or if it doesn't and people on the fence, that to me sounds a lot like Cam Reddish and very different it, in terms of what needs to be done for him to be a good player. But just kind of that mindset of you love him or you don't. And you know, um, for my detention, I don't know if it's really fair to put them into detention, but I'm just going to use it as a way to kind of ridicule them. Um, we as Knicks fans had to deal with so much shit from Hawks fans last year. So much. Um, and it's the sort of thing where, look, they won, right? They did. They did. They win. made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They were allowed to talk their shit. And their fans certainly did that. And schadenfreude is maybe Maxi Kleba's favorite word. It's it's German. I mean, it's the most. it's a top five German word. It's. It's basically like soup. It's, I mean, it's, it's what's soup, on tap in the maxi pad. Yeah. Very true. And it's the sort of thing where it's just like, yeah, going into a spaces and listening to their fans just go ballistic. It's, um, <laughs> it's great. I love it. I, I think it's hilarious. Um, you know, it's the sort of thing where you just, you're in the mud and uh, you're stuck in the mud. And we're going to laugh at you as it happens. That's not even saying this trade may not even work out in the Knicks' favor. But for right now, just seeing after everything that happened and the 4 1 Trey owns you and him taking a bow and it's getting real fucking quiet in here, all that, you know, all that nonsense. It's just, yeah. it's nice to, to have them say, like, oh, yeah, you know, well, you had Trey. Where, you know, is your excuse really going to be that we didn't have Clint Capella? Because then we could say, well, the Knicks didn't have Mitchell Robinson in the playoffs. Um, you, you could make up all sorts of excuses. It's yeah. also hilarious to see them running circles about how they ridiculed uh, Ben Simmons for an entire offseason. Oh, my God. He's a terrible player. Oh, and now I adore it. Fans are turning around saying, well, what if we package this for Ben Simmons? That's how down bad they are. So I'm going to put them in detention because uh, Travis Schlenk has already put them in detention. And I love it, John. I think I, uh, I think you're doing them a favor by putting them in detention. They're Probably. they're not they're not making the world a better place. Um, okay, now the part of the program I have been waiting patiently for. Uh, I'm back. I'm back, baby. I'm back. Uh, so after a week after picking zero and three on a week where they went uh, two and one and giving Jeremy the 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 belt, uh, I have taken it back because uh, you, ye of little faith. Picked one and two last week, and I picked two and one, and of course they went three. No, so upcoming schedule. Um, 
maybe uh, will have been played by the time you uh, listen to this, depending on if you're working on Monday. Uh, Knicks Hornets at the Garden for the Memorial uh, MLK uh, Day um, festivities. That's a one o'clock start on NBA TV. Then our playback game of the week. Shout out to any of our patrons um, who have been joining us on playback. We've been getting more people, more and more people in the room. Those have been a lot of fun. Uh, so that is Tuesday at seven thirty against the Timberwolves. Then they have a day off. Um, Pelicans at home. All these games are at home, I should say. And then next is that. Uh, oh, and then they have two days off. And then next uh, next Sunday. That's right. A one o'clock start. So two one o'clock starts this week against the Clippers who are without Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard, of course, and have been uh, struggling a bit. Um, it's an interesting week. Uh, I feel like we probably could have said last week. I mean, we probably could have said this about a lot of weeks, but this is that this is going to define the next season. It feels like this is a big week for the Knicks. They're playing great. Um, they've been putting good performances together. I think this is a really important week for them. I think Two and two would be, I don't know if I'm going to say a failure. It was, it would certainly be a disappointment. Um, I think they kind of need to go three and one. I'm not saying they need to go four and oh, four. I don't, I actually, it's crazy that I could sit here and say this about this fucking team. I don't think four and oh is crazy. Um, and maybe you'll pick four and oh, I don't know, but I'm taking three and one. I think it's, it's the obvious pick and I'm not going to try to be outsmart myself here. I had a feeling and I probably would have leaned that way too, but no, I will not be taking four and oh, I will balance it more so and go two and two, you know, listen, it's the Hornets have been a good team. I think another big reason why the Knicks considered trading their pick is because there's a chance that it falls out of the top 18 and it converts. And the Knicks did not want that. Again, I I really think this pick was made in mind for it to convey in 2023 when you have three picks and a great draft and the risk and the reward of, that and Cam Reddish, as we discussed, just Cam Reddish won out. And that's fine. I, I'm totally cool with that. But the T-Wolves are an aggressive team. You got Carl Anthony Towns coming back. Pelicans have been hot. Not too yep. hot, fortunately, for my under 39 and a half, but <laughs> enough. And then the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers went into Boston, for example, and they won without yeah. and no, they, Paul they've George. Been, so they've been feisty bad. They have. But they've been feisty bad. Listen. When you look good, you feel good. And when you feel good, you win. So they could very easily go three and one. I once again, hope you are correct, but I will be going two and two. It's, it's the smart play. Um, we'll see. Nothing would shock me uh, again. Not with this team. Um, okay. I think we've done this one justice. Anything else before we leave? I feel like we've definitely said enough. At least I have. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to, zip it and say uh this was fun yeah this was fun um to anyone obviously well if you're listening to this you're listening to this on um the day we celebrate dr martin luther king jr so happy uh mlk day to you out there and uh obviously shout out to the man um for all that he did and uh you know we're we're all thankful for that and um yeah i'm looking forward to some more good basketball this has been fun Fun. It's fun to talk about this team. It's it's always fun to talk about this team, but it's like it's a little extra fun to talk about them now. So um, we finally got our week, by the way, where we didn't have to deal with the loss at the end. It wasn't two wins and then a loss, and then we it's cr- we finally got it. Crazy. Yeah. 
Big, big shots, big shots down the stretch. All right. Uh, everybody uh, out there, thanks for checking out another episode of the Next Film School podcast. Don't forget, if you enjoy the show, feel free to drop a uh, rating, review. If you're not subscribed, feel free to do that. And uh, we will talk to you all uh, very soon with more fun and games. Peace out.